0: Hello and welcome to the Art Podcast. I'm Adam. I'm Joy. Today we talked with pastor and author Kevin Butcher. He was actually in the Tyndale offices, which we always enjoy. So Joy and I got a chance to have lunch with him and sit down and talk. Don't worry, we won't we weren't eating and talking. We we talked to him (laughs) afterwards.
1: That's right. And he wrote a book called Choose and Choose Again, the Brave Act of Returning to God's Love. And he touches both on his personal story and then on the stories of those he encounters in his community and in his congregation. And as we talked with him on the podcast and during lunch, we were really struck with how he was not just a man of words, but also of action. And um, he ministered to both Adam and I personally, and um, we think he'll do the same with you.
2: Yeah, uh,
0: make sure you check out his book, it's Choose and Choose Again. You can find it at navpress.com. I'm really looking forward to reading the book. I got a hug from him at the end of the, the podcast, so that was a first. It's not in the recording, but you'll just have to take my, my word for it.
1: Yes. So we hope you enjoy it and um, pick up a book when you finish.
0: So, uh, Kevin yeah. Butcher, That's fine. thank you for joining us today, uh, which is a full day for you here at Tindale. Yeah started off by talking to us this morning in chapel Mm -hmm. which was great and one of the things you said was sometimes you you know you go around and you're kind of a talking head and you're like Mm -hmm. why would people want to listen to me they don't know me so can you tell us a little bit about your background um what you're doing with your life and Mm -hmm. maybe how you eventually became an author with nav press that's a big question but you can answer it however however you want
2: well, I was born at a very early age. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've been pastoring for 34 years. I, I would say somewhat reluctantly because even though I, I I am in love with human beings, I mean, I love people, and I am these days in love with Jesus Christ for sure and know that um, he loves me, I, I would say just the way pastoring is configured has not been a, an easy paradigm for me to fit into. I've always felt like I didn't quite fit. I wasn't quite you know what it was supposed to be whatever that is but i've been doing it for about 34 years i'm in my third church in a fairly no a tough neighborhood on the east side of detroit it's 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 improved a lot um, on on every level um and there's a lot of hope now in the neighborhood and and i would say body of christ is there and there's some other organizations that we work with um, that give a lot of hope to our community but it's it's been an interesting 10 11 years being there uh, and on that particular street corner. Um, I wasn't planning on writing a book. I was just, um, I'd written, um, you know, I, I wrote a master's thesis at Dallas Seminary in church history where I won an award and, and uh, was kind of surprised that I did. And, and I've written some articles that um, did well. Um, but I, I never thought of myself as a writer. You know, some people say, I'm an author. I was like, no, I've, I've written some <laughs> articles and I wrote a master's thesis that worked. Um, but I was out preaching in Bend, Oregon for a brother, and I was staying with another brother who happened to be, happens to be an agent. And uh, we were sitting on the back porch one night uh, with um, his wife, my wife, and uh, my agent friend Don. So it was Don, Brenna, Carla, and me. And he said, so if you were going to write a book, what would you write about? And I said, well, I'm not planning on writing a book, but without question I would write about... The healing power of the love of God, which has not only saved my life, but I've watched that love heal so many human beings. And it's in the process of healing so many human beings that society would have said are unhealable. Whether these folks are from the middle class, they have enough wounds, or whether they're from, you know, maybe the streets uh, of Detroit, they have enough wounds, they have enough pain... That it isn't about economics, it's about wound and it's about pain. Society would have looked at all of these folks and said, it's impossible, man. They can't be healed. They can go to heaven, they can trust Christ, but they can't be healed. I've watched the love of God heal them. And so I said to him, I read about that. And he looked around that little circle. I didn't know his wife very well, uh, but he said, Brenda, you think you should write uh, about that? And she said, I think you should. And I thought, you're just saying that. And then my (laughs) wife, who's always wanted me to write, she said, you know what I think, Kev? And Don said, so? I said, okay, let me let me pray on it. And then I think it was a few weeks, months later, I got a contract from him. And I thought, okay, I think maybe I need to be doing this. And so I started writing these stories, including my own.
1: Hmm. Where does the title come from, Choose and Choose Again? Hmm.
2: The original title was um, Love Will Bring You Home, or His Love Will Bring You Home. Mm-hmm. Navpress Press being Christian, Tyndale being Christian, but... Um, they changed that title because you, you know how it works more in publishing than I do. They went into a room, their staff did, and they started throwing up, after they'd read the book, they started throwing up titles um, on, the, on the board. And they came back to me with this title because they said, the theme of the book is that you, you, you've got to make a choice. You, you, uh, like, For example, in John 15, Jesus says, As the Father has loved me, so I love you. Abide in my love. Or, to use the theme of the prodigal son, um, which runs all the way through the book, you know, the son had to, at one point, he was living out of all of his wounds and all of his emptiness. At one point, he had to come, the text says, he came to his senses and he decided to get up and to go home to his father, who'd been waiting there at the window all that time, had never abandoned the thought of his son coming home. In fact, his son had been his son Mm -hmm. that whole time that he was wandering around in the far country. So the theme started to emerge, uh, unbeknownst to me, I mean, I was just writing stories, but the theme started to emerge of, you've got to choose, and you've got to choose. And the very last character, uh, last human being that I wrote about, Lori, uh, actually a pseudonym, but a a close friend of mine, her her story, her wounding was so severe, she had to make a series of choices, a series of choices, choose, 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 choose. So I think by the end of the book, as they read, it it was impressed upon them that this isn't about this isn't a one-shot deal it's not when you like you trust christ you're his forever it's we have to choose what is it jude 21 says keep yourselves in the love of god we've got to choose to keep we don't make him love us we don't choose to make him love us we have to choose to position ourselves to receive that love and when we don't um we wander into the far country where it's very very dangerous Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. interestingly enough if you don't mind if i make one more comment Chapter 1, which is about my friend Dan Schoenfeld and the way the love of the Father began to heal him in front of my very eyes um, when he was in Manacles uh, When I visited him in in, uh, Macomb County Jail uh, In a suburb of Detroit before he got sentenced to 14 to 42 The love of God began to heal that man in front of my very eyes and continued to heal him throughout prison Uh, trusted Christ ten years into prison lived out the next eight years of his sentence, a changed man. Mm -hmm. Um, You could see it in his letters. He had just, the love of God was healing him. Mm -hmm. Came out and drove with me around to various venues and shared his faith and shared his story and gave a lot of hope to people. Then um, he got married. First healthy relationship, he said, with a woman that he'd ever had. He was a very violent man um, before he trusted Christ. Got married and, and... and this woman, unfortunately, sister in Christ, um, she OD'd, mm. and it crushed him. And so slowly but surely, in the next seven or eight months, he, he stopped choosing. Mm. And uh, though he had had 20 or so years of being healed by this love and had given that away, he stopped choosing. And so he went into his own far country. And uh, first Saturday in April of this year, he died of an overdose. Mm-hmm. And so I, I wrote an epilogue. Uh, to try to help um, the folk who had written that book. And I said, my friend Dan, I'm going to be honest with you. What happened in Chapter 1 is true. And it happened for years because he kept choosing to keep himself from the love of God. But Mm -hmm. he's gone now. Mm -hmm. And he's with the Lord. Mm -hmm. But he didn't have to go this quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, You either choose his love or the enemy says, come on over here. And what's over here Mm -hmm. is some kind of death
0: um I can tell you really care about hearing about people's stories. Yes, this I do. It's really important to you. I've, we had lunch with you earlier and you heard all of our stories. You bet. Um is that something that you've always been drawn to or is that something that you kind of learned as a as a pastor?
2: I I think I've always been drawn to people's stories and I think I think after my near suicide attempt when I began to realize I needed to know the love of God more personally that as I felt him loving me personally for the first time that just took what I already felt toward people and just um, it it just exploded into my spirit Hope it doesn't sound like I'm trying to act like I'm all that in a bag of chips I'm just a guy but I can tell you that when you know that he loves you and when that love just begins to uh, I don't know heal you 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 just every person you look at you see them not through their baggage as much as you see them as a son or a daughter of God even if they don't know it yet they may not believe yet but I know that Christ died for them I know my theology tells me that when Jesus is on the cross he had his mind on them when the father sought thought from eternity past to send his son to die for the world—it wasn't just the globe; it was for that individual that I'm looking at. Mm-hmm. So I want to know their story because their story matters because they're a son or a daughter of the living God.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I
2: think, to be quite frank, I've had that since I was a kid. But I think um, when I began to realize how much God loved me,
1: it—it mm-hmm. just—it
2: made that that love for people and their stories soar. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. So, a lot of what fuels your love for other people is knowing that you are loved, you and at the beginning of this book you share a little bit about your story and kind of the emptiness you realized you had, and then seeking God to fill it. So, can you tell us the background of that story?
2: Well, uh, Joy, I, I trusted Christ when I was five, but the Christianity I was involved with was a really, it was a, a real performance-oriented Christianity, and I really don't think that's that uncommon. Even um, Christian communities that talk about, for by grace you're saved through faith, it's like, yeah, yeah, you, you can enter the kingdom by faith, but you better work hard to kind of gain status in the kingdom or be all that in the kingdom or whatever. So I performed the heck out of Christianity until I was 36 years old, and I was, you know, God had graced me enough to be able to do well at what I did in Christianity, but I was empty because. What fuels us is what's in here, not what is out here. So all the applause and all the encouragement, and all the awards and all the plaques, um, growing churches and all that uh, attention, honestly, it was a treadmill. Mm -hmm. Until that one night, I was out preaching somewhere else and on the way home, and everybody thought, oh, you're wonderful. And I almost drove off into an embankment. I mean, I'm telling you, it was this close. And my three baby girls passed in front of my eye. I think God put them there, and I thought I am not going to allow these daughters, who have heard me talk about God so much, go into a lifetime thinking. But my dad couldn't live it, um, and he left us alone. And so I drove home. I fell on my face, and I said, "What is wrong? I've got everything, but I feel like I have nothing. I should have. I'm at the top of the Christian food chain. Yeah. Why is it that I'm so empty? Is there something wrong with me?" And as you know, that is when somebody gave me a copy of The Ragamuffin Gospel by Brennan Manning, and I had my first, I would say, experience. I knew the words, I knew the verses, but I had never experienced the love of God. Maybe, maybe with my wife to a certain extent, but it just wasn't enough. I, I didn't even know what she was giving me at the time. Brennan Manning reached to the pages of that book and held me, and I sobbed all the way through. I thought, he really does love me. And it was like the father was saying, this is what you didn't know, son. Mm -hmm. You didn't know that I loved Mm -hmm. you. And it changed everything. Mm -hmm. Obviously, I had to live into that healing. And I've been growing ever since. I'm not, in the book, I say over and over again, I'm not healed, I'm healing. Mm -hmm. And you can have moments of relapse. And when you lose your mind, and you're out there in that far country, I just don't stay as long. I don't think I go as deep in Mm. and I run home. I come to my senses and run home a lot more quickly.
1: Mm. How do you think Kevin, it is that we can know, but not experience. So you know that you're loved, but it's not a lived experience.
2: And I, I guess I would joy, not to be coy and I'm not a scientist. And so I can only tell you what I've read in my limited reading of neurobiology. You know, we've, there are any no. scientists listening, they might say, ah, he doesn't understand, but I There's think... There's probably no scientists. <laughs> probably none, okay. Um, Maybe there are. <clears throat> we can help. I read a textbook about the... Um, I partially read a textbook about the last 25 years <clears throat> of neurobiological research. And um, they say we have a left brain and a right brain, basically. The left brain is where we understand things cognitively. The right brain is where we feel. So even the way we're wired bi- biologically, you can know something in your left brain. You can understand the concepts. In that sense, we can know it. But th- there's a big difference in being able to really um, feel it and experience it. I don't think anybody ever talked to me about that in the body of Christ. Nobody ever said to me, for example, let's say I heard a sermon on John 15 where Jesus said, as I quoted earlier, um, As the Father loves me, so I love you. Abide in my love. Well, now, I mean, please. Do you think he was for an instant saying, you know that concept you have in your mind? Abide in that. Mm -hmm. Or do, do you think he wanted us to abide in the experience that we can know in our spirit? What did Paul say in Ephesians 3? Rooted and grounded in his love. To know... I think the Greek word is epignosko, this intense kind of knowledge, the love that is high and wide and deep and long so that you will be filled with all the fullness of God. Nobody ever talked to me about that. They were just like, for God to love the world. So memorize that verse. You got it now, right? <laughs> Nobody ever talked to me about the fact that underneath our cognition, we've got these strong emotions that f- feed our ability to either understand and obey the scripture or not nobody talked to me about the fact that underneath those emotions you have these false beliefs, this, these paradigms of, of lie that have become bigger than life in your life. Like my belief that I talked about earlier that performance is what got you loved. That wasn't just a little lie that sat in the side of my Christianity. That's what I felt about life. You get loved when you perform. God loves me if I perform.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: False bar- paradigm that produced so much negative emotion, shame, which kept me from taking that truth that I knew in my left brain into my spirit about the love of the Father. And of course, underneath all of that is trauma, which is simply the enemy, John 10, who said, I've come to steal, kill, and destroy, Jesus said about our enemy. The trauma is is the impact of that destruction on our lives. All of that, nobody ever talked to me about the fact that Jesus said, I've come to heal the brokenhearted, not just give you another take on the scripture, I've come to heal. Heal what? Heal all that damage, so that you can be freed up as one who was captivated. By all this, all this wound. Nobody ever talked to me about that. And interestingly enough, Joy, I hope I'm not rabbit trailing too much. Uh, he, they never talked to me about the passage we referred to this morning, where Peter says, "The end of all things is at hand." Above all things. Love one another fervently because that love will cover. Mm-hmm. Uh, I translate for various reasons I won't go into here. Heal. Cover on steroids. Mm-hmm. Heal a multitude mm-hmm. of sins. Wait, not just another Bible study? Mm-hmm. I believe in the power of the Word of God. You bet I believe in Second Timothy 3.16. Yeah. But it was never meant to be dropped on us without the power of that love creating soil that can receive it. Mm-hmm. Nobody ever talked to me about that which is why I never taught it didn't understand how it affected me until I almost took my life
0: so I'm sure there's a lot of people who feel similarly to you uh, I believe so relate to your story if uh, you know, and they're not even sure where to start yeah. they feel uh, lost for even what their first step would be to try to figure out how to feel God's love. Yes. Where do those people go? What, do they, what should they do?
2: In my view, it starts with simply getting honest. I know this is an over, overused verse, and I don't mean to take it out of context, but I think Jesus probably would agree that it can be used in a lot of contexts. You'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it starts by saying you know what it's okay to be honest about the fact that when folk are singing those worship songs about the love of God not that we have to feel the same emotions every Sunday morning or every Wednesday night or Tuesday at 8 o'clock I'm not talking about some high we live on all the time I understand we're much more complex creatures than that But I'm talking about the, the person that says I, I can't get that whatever the block is I, I don't know in that way that my heavenly father loves me that person who says i'm more like the guy who has a dad who says um this is how you will know that i love you on your 10th birthday i sent you a birthday card and at the bottom i said i love you dad i keep that card in your back pocket and when you doubt whether i love you or not take it out and read it that's what we hear in church you doubt that god loves you open your bible right now he says it right there that person, I want them to know they're not crazy because they see that text and somehow it doesn't get into that right side of their brain where they need healing, that part of their hearts that needs healing. I think they start, Adam, by simply saying, I'm not getting it and I've got to have that love. I've got to know that love or I'm, I'm going to either live a disingenuous life where on the side I'm trying to fill up that emptiness addictively Um, or I'm going to die that's where I started when I came in off of that near suicide attempt all I could say is I don't know what this is I don't know what to do but God this is my truth finally here is what's real I don't even know if I can preach Sunday morning this is what's real and you know what I begged him to show me the way and what I realize now is I didn't even have to beg he's my father he heard my cry as his son and he began to meet me. He began to come close. And I, I think when we start there, I don't uh, like to script somebody's healing. I do think the book in these stories outlines various things we need to deal with. Some people need to deal with childhood wounds. Many of us do. There's a couple chapters on that. Many of us deal with shame. Shame is the, um, you know, guilt. Is about what we do. Shame is about who we are. Guilt can be forgiven. Shame is that feeling that there's no antidote for feeling like I just don't fit, I just don't matter. There's a chapter on shame. Um, There's kind of in a way uh, a a guided not strict path but a guided path on various ways we can live into our healing once we have said um, this is what's really going on. I would say in some of the most intense wounding that I have seen, this is certainly the case for me, I think Christian therapy, Christian counseling can be a great help. It's almost like you need an IV. You know, for a minute, you're just so dehydrated. You, you need you, a spiritual infusion of the love of God to get with a caring therapist who, with appropriate boundaries, will love you well while they counsel you. And there's a chapter in the book called Good Church, which talks about, fact that we need to find a community where the love of god is lived and i i am never one as a pastor that tells people leave your church and go over no way i i believe in committing to a community and hanging in but i would say if the community that individuals are in um, when they're struggling to know the love of the father is a community that lives mostly in their heads doesn't really want to talk about what's going on inside community that might think that everything psychological is psychobabble Mm. that there's really no healing to be done it's just obedience. just obey the word I just don't believe in that paradigm anymore and I don't think the scripture teaches it Mm. I think they might pray about getting into a community where they can tell their truth think about it in all the epistles one of the first commands about living in true community is take off your mask Mm. where they can say I don't have to hide here I can be in my small group and say, I don't get it. You guys seem to get. what do I? And watch God the Holy Spirit empower those human beings in the Christian community to do what Peter says the community was intended to do all along. Mm-hmm. In various ways, begin to love that human being into a sense of being loved by Christ.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I'll tell you this one short story. Uh, my best friend Ed uh, one of my best friends um, along with one other pastor one time we had just done a retreat uh, for the larger church that I pastored we had a a staff retreat and I was just living into this newfound love so I was still filled with a lot of shame because it takes a while to grow and to heal and uh, that afternoon he and his wife and me and my wife were sitting around just talking and he was trying to encourage me and I wasn't having any of it because shame doesn't want to take encouragement because you think you're not worth it. And so we deflected, sometimes with religious words like praise the Lord, when really we're saying, well, of course, praise the Lord, but <laughs> what we're really saying is I can't receive this from yeah. you. So at one point, Adam, and if we weren't um, you know, on something technological here, I would do exactly to you right now what he did to me. He pulled his chair up right close to mine and got right up in my face and held my face in his hand and he said don't you understand Kevin don't you get it I just love you I'll never forget that moment as long as I live did I get completely healed on that moment no but a piece of the plaque of shame that had been living in my spiritual arteries fell out of my body that day what if the body of Christ was a place where you could get that kind of love every time the body gathers I think we would find a good piece of our healing even if we never were wise enough to deal with some of these individual areas like healing from childhood wounds and not having a father and whatnot, I think the Holy Spirit would heal us does that help?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's really incredible that the Lord put us in a family as believers. He did that very intentionally. He called himself Father and Shepherd <laughs> for a purpose.
2: I believe it. I never really got that. I thought, well, that's quaint. That's yeah. cute. I guess that's <laughs> as good of a metaphor as any, right? Now, oh my gosh. Now... You know, when I was in seminary, and I loved Dallas Seminary, so I, I they they equipped me in so many ways, but really we focused a lot on Romans 1 through 8, good theology of justification by faith and sanctification by faith. And if we were really, really deep, we did some work in Romans 9 through 11.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: It was almost like this is what I got anyway. My professors may not have been sharing this, but Romans 12 through, 8 through, through 16 about living this out in community, it seemed to me to be almost an afterthought. What I believe today is, no, Romans 1 through 11 doesn't even matter unless it lands in Romans 12 through 16 in the way we deal with one another in community, and the way we love each other, mm-hmm. um, back from the wounding mm-hmm. of our enemy who is really trying to take us out. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. That's false done. I think we find healing as we look for other people to administer love to. Mm-hmm. And... Kevin, very similar to you, growing up in a very performance-based background, you think we are very good at avoiding anything that might make us fail, so rarely have we ever put ourselves in the opportunity where we might not make it and then see if we get accepted or not. So because we've only really seen, oh, people praise us because we perform, we stay there. You know, and it's really when you have those experiences like you just mentioned, where, you know, you weren't, you didn't have it all together, and yet someone still loved you. That's when we start to get it. That's when the right and the left brain start to match.
2: I agree with that, and I think what's sad is we walk into our Christian communities assuming, you know, uh, love one another as I have loved you. Well, we all get that. We all get as I have loved you. We all know that we're loved. My experience has been that because of that paradigm that you just described, I don't want to overstate, my wife says that i hyperbolic sometimes, <laughs> never. Um, but my experience has been, and I'm talking about South Africa, Uruguay, South America, um, I'm talking about Canada, I'm talking about Germany, I'm talking about Romania, I'm talking about in various parts of the United States, Um, African-American churches, Caucasian churches, Latino churches, uh, communities that have mostly wealthy upper-middle class people, uh, communities that have those who are economically challenged. I've been all over the place and everywhere I go, even in pastoral communities where you have a, a bunch of seminary students or whatnot, we're all supposed to be getting it. I'm telling you, Adam and Joy, every time I talk about this topic and every time I share my story, I am not overstating this people line up because they're saying finally um, there's a safe place where i can tell my truth what if we created in the body of what if the body of christ became that safe place then we all begin to know the love of god and then when jesus said love one another and the world will know we'll start loving one another i mean Racial barriers will start coming down. Old wounds will start to be healed. And then the world will watch it, and they'll say, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I've been waiting for, something real that touches me. Um, My my relational wounds have overwhelmed me, the the non-believer says. Now I can see a place where I can find healing. Oh, and will you tell me more about this Jesus? Is he the one that's doing that for you? So this is not just about us having this wonderful, serendipitous experience of wholeness. God loves us enough, I believe, join Adam, to give us that. He loves us. Wouldn't we give that to our children? Of course we would. But it's much bigger than that. If we don't get this love, we will not sacrificially love. The the, The body will not come together, and the world will not see Christ. I think it's that important.
1: And to do that, we must know the love
2: of the Father. Must know the love of the because Father. We can't because we what
1: we don't have. No,
2: we can't, can't give away what we don't have. So, Joy, you're a very kind person. I have three daughters. I, I can just see them in you and you in them. And so I'm sitting here going, and Adam, you're like my sons-in-law who are like my sons. And I'm thinking, I would really love to hang around with these two young people. Mm-hmm. But I can promise you, at some point, if we didn't know the love of Christ together, we would get on each other's last nerve and yet we have all these things in common. We're, you know, we're all Americans. We're all here in middle class culture, here in whatever, um, evangelicalville and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And w- if we did not know his love that says, you know, I'm going to love Adam today. I'm going to love Kevin today. Joy's going to love Adam today in spite of Adam. As Jesus uh, washed Judas's feet, washed Peter's feet, washed the other nine who didn't show up at the cross right before he spoke those words about loving one another. The reason we don't love one another is not because we are trying. I think we're trying. I do. I think it's because we don't know how much we're loved. And the first thing that comes along, we're like, I'm out. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And that's why one
1: of our biggest prayers is that we the Lord would show us the way like you prayed. Amen. Because that's his that is his heart yes. his deepest desire is for us to realize why he sent his son. He sent the
2: world. Amen because yes. he loved the world yes. which means each one of us yes. yeah. that's, what he
0: can. that's the that's a perfect thought to end on <laughs> Amen and yes. your book is choose and choose again choose, and um, choose again um, and it's available everywhere books are sold it yes. is there anywhere that if people read your book they want to learn more
2: about you or get in touch with you? Is there somewhere that they can go online? There actually, uh, and I have a website where I blog, um, which I will start doing again because I haven't, because I've been writing a book, but um, (laughs) um, it's just Um, jkevinbutcher.com. The church website where some talks, you know, we have a preaching team you can believe that can't you it's not about all about me it's about okay. us as a community that's where we try to live it out really good teachers um i'm one of the teachers that's hopedetroit.org, mm-hmm. and then i'm pretty sure that uh through our friends here at Tyndale, robin and her team there's a i don't even know all these terms there's a launch page a landing page uh, i yes. i don't even know what all that means but it's there
1: okay <laughs> Yes, and we can put
2: that... Yeah, we we'll put
0: the um, link to that into the, yeah, the notes. Yes. Right. So thank you, Kevin. We really appreciate
1: thank you. It. Thank you. I am so grateful
2: to be with you.